Blog Talk Radio. This is Dr. Ross Green. Welcome to Collaborative Problem Solving at School. I'm delighted that you were able to join in. This program airs each Monday at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time during the school year. We explore a variety of topics aimed at helping you better understand and help challenging students and implement the collaborative problem-solving approach in your classroom and your school. If you have a question or comment, call 646-727-2691. Once again, that's 646-727-2691. If you call in, you'll be muted until I bring you on the air. And now, let's talk about challenging kids and how we can help them. Well, hello there. And uh, welcome to today's program. Um, as you may have recognized already, we are not doing today's program at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time live. We're doing it at 2 p.m. Eastern Time live, uh, unfortunately, to accommodate my travel schedule today. Um, but uh, how are you, and uh, how's it going with Plan B in your school? Um, today we are going to be spending some time talking about the much-neglected seldom talked about in great detail, invitation step of Plan B. A lot of what I've been talking about lately has been focused on the empathy step and helping people do that better, but I've started noticing, and this is why the model continues to evolve, I've started noticing, whenever I notice that there's something about the model that people are struggling with, I try to give more thought to it, because if they're struggling with it, it means that... um, something about it that hasn't been as well explained as would be ideal. And I've been noticing some things about the invitation step, what I've begun to call the brainstorming ingredient, that um, suggests to me that, well, it needs to be talked about a little bit more. Now, that's not the only thing we have to talk about. That's what I have planned for today. But you may have noticed from listening to or joining in on other programs, we don't always talk about what I think we're going to talk about. Um, These are your 45 minutes. So uh, if you're struggling to a apply plan B to a kid and it's not going so well or uh, having trouble getting your colleagues at school to buy in to all of this or running into trouble using the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems, uh, this is your opportunity to call in, comment, ask questions, get the support you need, or just listen to what's going on with others who are using the collaborative problem-solving approach. Starting to plan for others to join in on this program um, each week. Um, And so we're going to have some uh, planned folks joining in, um, including today. Um, If you do want to call in, uh, that number again is 646-727-2691, 646-727-2691. And as always, if you're hesitant to call in, you can always send me a question electronically through the contact form on the Lives in the Balance website. Uh, That's www.livesinthebalance.org. Um, so, uh, I was planning on talking about the invitation a little bit today, and um, we may yet do that, but uh, one of the people who I think we knew was going to call in today has called in, and I want to jump right to that, because this is a, an educator um, who's struggling with Plan B a little bit and uh, wants to get better at it and is running into some trouble. Let's start with that, and maybe we'll um, if we have time. I'm, I'm happy to take the full 41 minutes that are remaining. If there's only 41 minutes remaining, that's telling me that my introductory comments are taking way too long. I'll have to do a gut check on that. But um, let's let's bring our classroom teacher on the air right now. 
um, looks like a New Hampshire area code, but that's all we're going to say about you because we don't want you to use any identifying information, your name, the names of your students. But I know from some of your emails that I've received that uh, Plan B's uh, going a little rough here in the early going. And uh, welcome to the program. Well, thank you, Dr. Green. I'm I'm delighted to be able to talk to you in person. I am um, delighted to have you on, and of course, that's the main reason that um, I do this program is to pe- provide people with the support they need in implementing the model. Um, well, I'm I'm very new at this. Um, I I completed your book um, uh, after the new year, and the next day was implementing it in my classroom. Um, I've been teaching for 15 years, and um, I, I think, I'm, I might be imagining this, but I think I have more students now than I did 15 years ago who are, um, well, I would say needy, um, and I've actually had one behavioral specialist to, um, say that all behaviors or most behaviors are attention-getting behaviors, Uh-oh. and um, I have over the years, slid into consequences, rewards and punishments, so completely that I actually haven't liked myself for five years. They're not working. As you said in your book, they are not working. They, The kids who don't need them doesn't matter, and the kids who do need them, I'm still banging my head over the same problems. Um, so I was delighted to hear that there's an alternative, but I have had um, some problems um, getting started. Um, one, one of the things that's been hard is I have 18 students, um, and they're five- and six-year-olds in kindergarten. Um, so this I have, is a general-ed kindergarten classroom? Yes, it is. General-ed, yeah. it's a full-day kindergarten. But just because oh. we're calling it general doesn't mean that we don't have a bunch of kids in there who need your help. No, there's a lot, and um, that is that is part of uh, that's part of why I'm calling because I have so many issues with so many children. Um, I did I think what you suggested in your book. I did an um, ALSUP on one child, chose one student, did the evaluation for that student, chose my one focused behavior, um, you know, and and. Um, then actually he he displayed a behavior, so I went in and just jumped on that one, um, thinking that probably they were all connected at some level. Um, and that's where, you know, I tried the interviews. I think I did a pretty good job after watching your videos. I was quiet and waited. <laughs> um, I, I didn't jump in with plan A's, which is very much my nature. I want to fix things. and um, But my my problem was is the child couldn't verbalize, couldn't articulate. I came back on day two and tried one more time, and then on day three, I just had to have closure with him and didn't feel very proud of that. Um, and when you so say closure, what do you mean? I, I, It was actually two days before vacation, and I, I didn't want him to leave without um, us having come up with a solution for both our problems, and um, I felt stuck, he was stuck, and I didn't know where to go, because he wasn't, he wasn't describing, I wasn't getting any help with what the lagging skill or what identifying the problem, the unsolved problem could be. I wasn't getting any sense of that. 
So let's get you unstuck. And should I expect five-year-olds? I mean, there was a five-year-old in your video, but should I expect five-year-olds to be articulating this? Well, um, as I sometimes say, I don't think chronological age is the primary determinant. Because I've seen Plan B go more smoothly with some three-year-olds that I work with than some 17 and some 62-year-olds that I work with. So (laughs) what we need to figure out is, you've given us a little bit of information, but I want to back you up a little bit. Um, You said on this one student, and I know that some of your other concerns, just because I read your email, you and I have never spoken before, um, just so people don't think that this is sort of a a rigged interview. It's not. (laughs) This is the first time you and I have ever talked. Um, You indicated one of the concerns that you had, and we should get back to that one because we want to sink our teeth into this particular student, is that you got 18 in there, and time, is this really realistic? Um, If you don't mind my sharing, I'm going to tell people what the subject line of your email was, if that's okay. Yes. It, It made me chuckle. Uh, the subject line said, <laughs> said, lost at school, ugh. And you expressed a fair amount of frustration over the fact that uh, your early attempts at Plan B didn't go very well in the beginning. And um, as I responded to you by email, boy, is that typical. Um, and the hard part is we want to make progress quickly, and we want to do Plan B well quickly, and that's the hardest part is because uh, is that um, people who are new to Plan B, uh, the learning curve isn't usually terribly steep. And so, but the good news is we've got this uh, web-based radio program to help you through it. Let me ask you for some more specific information. Ready? Okay. Yes. You mentioned that you filled out the ALSIP on this uh, guy. Guy, yes. I think he was. Yes. This little guy. And um, apparent, my bet is that he has a reasonable number of lagging skills. Yes. Yes. Good. And for those who are unfamiliar, the ALSIP, of course, in the top section has a lagging skill section. Um, any of his – want to tell us about maybe two or – I don't know if you have the ALSIP in front of you. I do. You do. Tell, do. Us, tell us about the two or three lagging skills of his that really jump out at you. I mean, my bet is that he's got numerous checked off. Which ones would you say are really, really getting in his way? Um, well, I actually, when I listed others down below, it's sort of, um... Now, I think you're in the I, unsolved problems. I, I'm in the laggy, I, I'm, yeah, I'm on the unsolved problems. Um, this child actually came up with twos in almost everything, um, which I don't think was really reflective of, okay. um, of his problems, um... So at the bottom of the sheet, I just wrote down what what my, what I see, what my problems are. Um, Got it. With the so let, let's hear them. Um, inattentiveness, poor listening, and not engaged with class activities. Okay. Um, the second one was cannot repeat back even broken down directions. Three is disrupt, destructive, disruptive behaviors, both physical and very impulsive. Four, his academic skills are um, very, very low. And, and those are, you know, my four greatest concerns for this child. And those sound like uh, outstanding concerns. Um, and as I'm as I'm listening to them, I'm struck by the fact that none of them would be well addressed by rewarding and punishing. That they all need to be understood well for them to be well addressed. 
Absolutely. You, you mentioned that um, you had begun working on one of them with him. Yes. Which one? Well, actually, what cropped up, um, I had done this uh, right as, as I was reading the book, and um, what cropped up, actually, um, was that he exposed himself in the lunch line one day. Ah. And I thought, and that wasn't um, I'm going to, I'm going to, it wasn't on my list. I'm going to, but it, I thought, as I say, there might be an undercurrent, you know, that these things are connected. And um, I see this type of behavior in him, not, not that specifically, but other types of, and of course, you know, some people would say it's attention getting, and I'm, I'm um, really ready to move beyond that diagnosis because well, it doesn't you. help me. It doesn't help me. And, um, so when this occurred, I I brought him up and and um, we sat you know in in a room and I felt pretty well prepared. I I actually believe that I've been doing um, the um, collaborative problem solving the beginning part, but yep. then I, I'm actually really good at talking with my kids and saying you know it's a problem for me and you know I can see that it doesn't make you happy and is it a problem for you and just sort of walking through that and. I do collaborative problem solve with two or or three, and I have done it with my whole class. Um, but I always have stopped short of where your book took me, and that's why your book excited me because I stop and solve the problem, I fix it with Plan A, and um, <laughs> I do, only once I do. You, you and do something only, that I've called in the past empathy A, empathy which, is when, A. which is when we gather the information that we need with using the empathy step, but then tell the kid what the solution is. Right. And I actually have to, I, I will say for myself, although I don't want to sound like I know how to do this because obviously I don't, um, is that I've had a few times where the kids have come up with solutions and we've said, let's give it a go. Great. Let's see what happens. And um, they often don't work. <laughs> so, as I say, I'm not an expert at this, but I've, I've had a little bit of experience with trying when I sat down with this child and and felt true empathy for him, and um, you know it was a problem for me because you can't do that in school, and it's a problem for you. And as dig and drill as I may, he just couldn't come up with it. And, okay, so um, now let's let's get really specific because when it comes to doing Plan B, the devil's in the details. Okay. Let's. Let's get through the first litmus test first. It sounds like you were doing Plan B proactively. This was not a heat of the moment Plan B. Is that correct? Oh, it actually was because it was he heat had of just the moment done Plan B. It happened it right was. after he did it. Yep, and I grabbed the moment and said, "I'm going for it." Got it. Okay. Well, now here's the deal. One, that's the reason that I asked about that first is because emergency plan B, as you probably know I call it. Yes, I do, yep. Tends not to be the ideal timing. I understand. I knew that going in. <laughs> on getting kids talking. Yep. Now, I don't know if that's why this particular little guy didn't talk, but you've told us that the thing that you want the most help on is the fact that he didn't talk. Plus, it sounds like you did proactive plan B on the same problem the next day. And he still didn't I did. talk. I, I I ran out of time the first day. I ran out of time. Um, it took longer than I thought, and so I told him at the end. I said, you know what, sweetie, we need to get ready to go home now. But you know, I'm going to think about this, and maybe you want to think too. And we'll come back tomorrow and see if we can, you know, find a good solution to this for both you and me. And and then 
the next day was, you know, go home for vacation. And I just had, again, as I say, that closure with him. Got it. Um, so we have so, not really returned to Plan B since our first emergency Plan B. Right. Is that fair? Right. Okay. Yep, that's it. fair. So whenever I'm trying to help people figure out why a kid didn't talk or said I don't know a lot in Plan B, the first place that I start is on if it wasn't proactive Plan B, then that's actually a very good starting point. Because emergency plan B, a lot of times, um, is, isn't great timing. It's too hot. We're rushed. Um, now, you can run out of time doing proactive plan B as well, but emergency plan B sometimes feels rather rushed. And um, often, when it occurs in the heat of the moment, the kid feels like he's in trouble. Oh, I really, I really... I'm just I running through I sort of... I know, I, I hope I didn't set that up. I hope I... I mean, I... I have gained such a, I have made such a turnaround, and and I always have had compassion, and that's why I didn't like the punishments and the consequences. And this is where my heart is with these kids, and yeah, that's, that's you know, I want to understand them, and you know I feel for them because they're they're so little and and they don't know, they can't figure it out, and nobody's helping them. As you said in your book, I love the fact we need to teach these children. You can't assume they know how to do these behaviors. Uh, Grown-ups don't even know how to do these behaviors. We live in a consequences world, and it's, 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 um, it's very insensitive, and it's very judgmental, and, you know, it just lacks that sense of giving each other room to grow, and, and it, you know, it makes a very unsafe, you know, setting wherever you are, the workplace or school, and, um, you know, it's, it's, we clam up you know, when we're not safe. And right. um, my heart is my heart is with you, and, 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 um, and I part, want to be able to make this work. The heart part comes first. Yep. And then comes the fine-tuning part. Okay. And we need to figure out why this little guy didn't talk. And, and my, yep. my first pass at it is that proactive, as with any kid, not just this one in particular, is that proactive plan B rather than emergency plan B is a much more effective way to get kids talking. But there's other things about um, the situation that may have been coming into play. Sometimes, and this may not be his learning history with you, it may be his history with behavior in general. So it may not have been you that was the reason he may have felt that he was in trouble, but sometimes plan B needs to be accompanied by some reassurance that might sound like, you're not in trouble, I'm not mad at you, I'm not going to tell you what to do, I'm just trying to understand. But now let me get even more technical. A big part of having a kid talk in Plan B, uh, and there's two parts that I want to talk about. One is something that you told us about this kid um, when you were telling us about some of his unsolved problems, and it sounded like some of them were, whether he's just exposed himself or whatever the unsolved problem might be, it sounds like there's things about him that suggest that he's having difficulty talking and expressing himself about just about anything. That's Is that true. what I heard? Yes. So that's another plausible explanation. And we're actually we're actually working with a speech pathologist right now to look at his receptive and expressive language skills and um you know 
Um, we're, we're going that through. We're trying everything um, that we can. So when you, when you, if he, if you were to try to engage him in a conversation about oh, the New England Patriots, the Boston Red Sox, um, what's going on on the playground, yeah. if he felt yeah. if, if this was just casual conversation, do you yeah. get the impression that he's having difficulty understanding you or having difficulty putting his thoughts into words? No. When you talk about any type of athletics, and and that's you know part of the confusion for me is that he he can talk about. Anything athletics, and um, and and he can talk with his friends fluently and and do a beautiful job. And, Got it. But he, it's not appropriate. It's not. He's not doing it at appropriate times. Got it. Um, okay. And when he needs to to learn. So clearly, whatever communication skill issues are getting in his way are not getting in his way globally across the board, but are getting in his way situationally under specific conditions. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Now, let me get really technical. So what we're doing now is we're passing through some of the factors that could explain why we had a little guy here who wasn't being terribly communicative when you were drilling for information in the empathy step. But mm-hmm. now, let's go back to the very beginning of the empathy step, because a lot of the times when a kid isn't giving us much information in the empathy step, depends a lot on what words we started the empathy step with. And as you may know from reading Lost at School, um, I usually recommend that the empathy step begin with the words, I've noticed that. Now, this was emergency plan B, so I don't know if you started with those words. But I'm curious about what words you used to get the information-gathering process rolling in the empathy step. Do you remember? Um. I don't remember. Um, I I don't remember, but it, it if I had to guess at how I responded, it was, you know, Aiden. Um, don't use any no, names. Oh, sorry. Um, we'll pretend that. Joe. Wasn't Joe, can you bleep oh. that out? Yeah. Joe. Um, sorry. Um, you know, I um, I was told that something happened at lunchtime in the lunch line, um, and I said actually specifically what it was, and I said. Okay. And I and I said, um, you know, did this happen? And then talked about, you know, do you know why you did that? I sort of probably took that approach. Okay. And did he agree that it happened? Yes, absolutely. He agreed that it happened. So he is communicating a little bit by yeah. just just by agreeing that it happened. We don't have somebody who's just staring at us. We have someone who is apparently understanding what we're saying, if if that's what he was agreeing with. Yeah. I mean, if, if he knew what he was agreeing with. Um, yeah. And then yeah. what what question did you ask? Did you ask, do you know why it happened? Is that what you asked? Yes, I think I asked that very directly. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. And then and, I told him why it was a problem for me, and and did he think it was a problem for him? Got and, it. Um, and he so said now, yes now let me slow it down a little bit, though. Okay. Because <laughs> um, you asked him why it happened, and what did you get? I don't know. Got it. And was it at the point of I don't know that you began telling him why it was a problem for you? Yes. Got it. So now, um, uh, and this is basically just me doing some detective work. That, that's all. That's all figuring out what may have gone awry with Plan B is. Um, we want to state that your concern about what he did is actually the next step, the define the problem step. 
But one of the rules of thumb, if there are any rules of thumb in doing collaborative problem solving, is that we don't want to move on to the define the problem step until we've sufficiently drilled for information in the empathy step. And so I guess what I'm wondering, it, it sounds like we may have um, left the empathy step prematurely. What we're looking for in the empathy step, what we're waiting for, what we're sort of, well, shooting for, is what I've come to call our aha moment, which is that moment at which we say to ourselves, aha, I feel like I have a pretty good handle on this kid's concern or perspective on the unsolved problem, in this case, exposing himself to a classmate in the lunch line, um, that we're talking about right now. And what I find is that if we leave the empathy step too early and go to our concern, which is the define the problem step, then it's hard to get back to the empathy step, not impossible, but hard to get back to what the kid's concern or perspective is. Um, and that may have been another factor. This is not me being critical or judgmental. This is something I do on a almost daily basis with educators and parents to help them and me figure out where did this attempt at the empathy step go awry? And it sounds like at that point you got an I don't know. Yes? Yes. And it sounds like I don't know. There was no returning from I don't know once we started moving on to your concern or perspective. Yes? There was no resp other response from him. That was got pretty it. much it. Yeah. So here's – now, um, this is me just trying to do some detective work. My recommendation is if you want to give this another whirl – is um, go back to plan B. Pro okay. this is, I recommend this on a daily basis, three or four times a day, to people who are telling me about their plan B efforts. And these are almost exclusively people who are new to plan B. These early plan Bs are for practice. I mean, clearly we want to get this problem solved, but the reality is it takes a little practice first. But my recommendation would be let's go back to plan B. Number one, let's make sure it's proactive. So we've, we've got that litmus test. Okay. But number two, let's not leave the empathy step. In fact, what I recommend to a lot of people a lot of the time is that we enter plan B with only one step in mind, oh, empathy. Okay. Okay. And that's probably what I would recommend here because this, this, this could be, well, number one, as you've been saying, you, you really would like to know here. This is, this is not insignificant. You really want to know if he has any sense of um, what's going on for him. And, mm -hmm. you know, it could be anything ranging from he thought it would be funny to somebody told him to do it mm -hmm. to he's seen people who are close to him doing it to we don't know what else. But the range of possibilities is fairly infinite. There's quite a universe of concerns or perspectives that would account for why a kid did that in the lunch line. But I guess that aside, we want to go into the empathy step only thinking about the empathy step. We don't want to even be thinking about our concern and perspective yet. We don't want to be even thinking yet about how we're going to solve the problem because the reality is the problem can't be solved until we have a good sense of what his concern or perspective on this unsolved problem might be. How much can I lead him in that? Well, um, you want to hold off on leading him 
to the greatest degree possible. But it depends a little bit on what you mean by leading him. My preference is that you not enter the empathy step. It's fine to enter the empathy step with some hypotheses about why this might have happened. But if by leading him you mean leading with those hypotheses, I would say you actually want to pull back on the reins on your hypothesis, on your hypotheses, because otherwise you run the risk of sort of steering the boat, leading the witness, some might call it, um, steering the boat in the direction of what you think is going on. And sometimes when we oversteer, we miss out on what's really going on, and we don't want to do that. Yeah. Um, Go ahead. both time I, I had watched one of your videos with a, a teacher, and I think it was a very young child, perhaps kindergarten, and um, you had mentioned that it's so hard, bite your tongue, teachers, because you're going to want to fix it, but sit there, hang on, hang on, hang on, and eventually, you know, it will come. And I, I was quite um, disciplined <laughs> going into it and really didn't say anything, and then I thought, you know, this kid was suffering, sitting there just you know, in silence with me. Yes. And, um, and and I did it to him the second day, too, and I didn't prompt him, and I wondered maybe I should have said something to him. Well, here's the general rule of thumb. What you want to get good at is asking questions um, about often about who, what, where, and when, but not exclusively, because um, I think you already know with whom, where it happened, and when it happened. So I think our questions for him are more related to, um, does he have any idea what might have prompted him to do that? But now here's the the general rule of thumb is, I don't um, suggest hypotheses. I don't do what I've called educated guessing until I'm pretty sure that I'm not going to get anything out of him. And here's where this gets complicated. My best hypotheses for why he didn't talk actually have more to do with the fact that this was more emergency B than proactive B. That's a huge hurdle to get past. And that when he wasn't talking, um, as is very commonly the case, so this is not something to feel bad about because this is very, very typical, um, many adults head for familiar ground which is their own concern, rather than what I would call hanging in there and asking questions that might actually get us the information. I I appreciate that you are empathizing with the fact that he was sitting there and suffering. And the bottom line is, if you were drilling for information well, and that we're not so sure about based on your description of what went on, and the kid still is not giving us any information, then I start to feel free to guess to, to do some hypothesis testing, to do some educated guessing. But I'm not sure, based on your description, and that's all we have to go on, that um, that drilling piece, that asking ourselves, what is it that I don't yet understand about this unsolved problem? What, what do I need to ask here? So now let me, let's go to that, because that's frequently the part that people struggle with the most when they're drilling for information, so now let me ask you this. What do you feel like we need to understand about what went on in the lunch line that day? Um, well, so, and that's uh, a very hard question. 
It is a hard question, and my it's why does he feel the need to do that? What what um, what nurturing isn't he getting? What support isn't he getting? And what, those are your you know, hypotheses about why he might have done it, and they're fine. Uh, of course, those hypotheses would not account for someone told him to do it, which I've heard from kids before. It doesn't account for I thought it would be funny, which I've heard from many kids before. Sure, sure. So that's why we, won't, we don't want to oversteer. Okay. But I like your first thing that you said, which is I would like to understand what he was thinking before he did it. I'd like to understand what he thought would happen if he did it. Does he think about consequences? I mean, that, that was one of your lagging skills. Does he have a sense of, you know, how this is going to affect the people right. around him? And, and, and I would ask um, that second or third maybe. Okay. Because I would ask something a little bit more general first, which would simply be, um, what did you think would happen when you did that? Or what were you thinking before you did it that made you go ahead and do it? Now, you might still get some I don't knows here, Okay. But at least those are questions that might give us some insight okay. about what he was thinking just before he did something that all of us would agree is not ideal to have happening in the lunch line or, quite frankly, anywhere else. But I think we want to hold off on our hypotheses. I'm, okay. I'm hearing that this is going to be the hard part. Um, and it's a, hard, it's a hard part for many people because we are accustomed to thinking to ourselves, I wonder why that happened, but then immediately answering our question with our hypotheses. And we really want to give him the chance to talk and tell us what was going on in that lunch line or what was going on in his head or what he thought was going to happen. And we want to really pull back on the reins on what we're thinking unless he doesn't give us anything at all. But to tell you the truth, I don't know if we're going to get nothing at all from this guy. We might get something. Okay. Well, and as I say, I I see I see this related to a lot of his other behaviors that um, are problems. Let's hear about some of those. Because um, well, they may be related, they may not. Well, let's hear what you think. Um, he is um, sitting in circle. We sit in circle for about twenty minutes, and I have a break after about ten minutes, so it's movement. Um, and um, but sitting for the first ten minutes. Um, we've tried chairs, we've tried squishy cushions, we've tried handheld fidget toys, we've tried sitting in the front, we've tried separating him from people he talks to, um, we've tried, right now he's sitting pretty much at my side in a chair, and um, he has his arms out of his sleeves and up his shirt, he has his knees in his sleeves, he falls off his chairs, he slithers out of his chair, he talks incessantly, um, and um, he sometimes is funny, um, which, of course, sends the whole class off. Um, and, I, I mean, the, the range of behaviors, um, you know, he um, had a, a time when he did shoelaces that were just hard to believe. And it was like, ignore them, ignore them, the problem will go away. And it was, um, it didn't go away. And um, he still does it. He just now has added um, a whole other list of behaviors to that. Um, so something's going on. Some needs aren't getting met in this well, job. Although that, I mean, and that's my hypothesis, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have another hypothesis. That's my hypothesis. I have a different you have one. Another one. 
Okay, well, good. A smarter one. <laughs> no, not a smarter one, just a different one. Um, I'm not saying that yours is wrong, um, but that's why they are hypotheses. That's, right. they're, they're hypotheses until we until verify them. Got them. His, yep. uh, he sounds like a very, very busy kid to me. Yes, he is. Very busy. He sounds like and he's I can having... tell you 102 accommodations we've tried. <laughs> we have him carry heavy books to the library. We have him go out for, you know, breaks, taking things to the teacher next door. We do movement breaks more than we ever have done before. And I mean, so here's what you're telling me. I mean, I'll, uh, I'll cut to the I'm, chase. I'm exhausted, and they don't and, work. Well, no matter what you've tried, you still have a very busy student. Right. And the reality is there are some students who are so busy that no matter what you try, and it sounds like you are exhausting every possible accommodation that could be used to help a student be less busy, and the reality is what you're telling me is that those solutions aren't getting the job done. Now, that doesn't mean those solutions aren't meeting his needs. It may be that he is a bona fide, busy-as-all-get-out kid. Now, here's the interesting thing. If what he did in the lunch line that day a lot of kids who are very busy, uh, some might say hyperactive, um, are also very impulsive. And that leads us to another potential explanation for why he did what he did in the lunch line, and that is poor impulse control. And in that respect, it could well um, be connected with his busyness and all of the other things that you were describing. On the other hand, it may not. We, we don't know. Um, no. Once again, it could be something somebody told him to do something. Somebody's taught, somebody showed him on TV. It could be something that he thought would make people laugh. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of impulsive kids don't know they're impulsive, so um, they would never say that necessarily, but they might help us understand that they really weren't thinking about anything at all before they did it. They just did it, and they right. didn't realize that this was going to be a major issue. But here's the the important part. Some of this would be information that we might well be able to gather from him. And notice there's a lot of very busy, impulsive kids who are being nurtured. Now, I don't know anything about this kid, so you may have good reason to think he's not being nurtured or not getting the care or support he needs. But there's a ton of uh, active, busy, impulsive kids out there who are being nurtured, are getting the support that they need, and that's not actually the best explanation for why they're doing what they're doing. And so, once again, you may know more about his situation than I do. I know nothing about his situation, but that's just a good example. Actually, that's not something that I really know. I mean, I I would think the opposite from what I've seen. Great. Well, good. Actually, there's no great. (laughs) Well, it, it would only be confusing if we were leading with not being nurtured, not being cared for as our primary hypothesis. But that's why we're going into this adventure, this detective work, trying to figure out what's going on, because it is very often the case that our original hypotheses lead us astray, and then the problem doesn't get solved. And a big reason that some problems don't get solved is because adults were very convinced that their own hypotheses were so spot on that the other potential hypotheses that were just as plausible never came into play. So we don't want to oversteer the boat, 
But I guess here's my suggestion. Let's go back to plan B. Okay. Let's plan, let's plan another conversation with him, proactive plan B. But let's go into this plan B with only one goal. We're not going, yep. into, we're not going into solve the problem in this, in this plan B. We'll do that in the next plan B. Yep. Let's give proactive empathy step, yep. the old college try, Okay. and let's be prepared to leave our hypotheses on the shelf at least for the first mm, five or ten minutes. Okay. It's fine to go in with them, but we don't want to steer the boat. Yep. Let's, let's, let's practice, and this, this is a practice plan B if there ever was one, Okay. Um, and but here's the good news: even by practicing, sometimes we have something to show for it. But let's let's go in lowering the expectations for only our second or third plan B, and let's go in saying to ourselves: in this one, I'm going to practice drilling for information. What I'm going to say to myself is: don't think about any solutions for the first five or ten minutes. Don't think about what your hypotheses about what's getting this kid's away might be. Let's just practice drilling for information and asking ourselves the question. Uh, a teacher once said to me, um, what should I be thinking in the empathy step? Once again, what you're thinking is, what do I need to know? And you and I have talked quite a bit now about what it is I think would help us understand this better. What was he thinking? What did he think would happen? Has yep. he ever seen that before? Where did the idea come to him from? Those are all great drilling for information questions. We're not leading the witness. We're okay. not leading with our hypotheses. We're just patiently seeking information. And I'm going to bet, I don't, I'm not a betting man, I think we're <laughs> going to get some information out of him. Okay. I think the mere fact that this is proactive, yep. that we're not leading with our hypotheses, that our concern isn't even, the define the problem step and the invitation isn't going to even happen in this plan B. Mm-hmm. Let's see what we get. Okay. What do you think? Back to the drawing board. Well, yeah, I'm. I'm. I, I need. I need to get good at this. Is what I need to do. I and you know what? I have absolutely no doubt that you will. Let me offer you a standing invitation. This this program airs every Monday at three thirty mm-hmm. p.m. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you think that you're going to be doing this with him this week, please call back next week and tell us what happened. I actually, okay. one of my goals is to get some continuity going with some of the kids we're hearing about on this yep. program um, so, mm-hmm. so that we're not just hearing about people's initial attempts at Plan B, but we are actually seeing people through the whole process. And as is often the case, I'm asking you to go back to the empathy step proactively. Don't focus on anything except the empathy step. Do a great job of drilling for information. And you can, if you don't want to do this on, in this method next week, um, feel free to email me and let me know what's happening. But I'm delighted to help continue coaching you through this because I have absolutely no doubt, just given the little I'm learning about you during this program, you're going to be good at this someday. Someday. Well, I kind of like to have <laughs> some grip on this before June. And I guess that's my feel. My anxious feeling is that this is one little tiny problem, and I mean this child has more problem solve problems. And I have a lot of other children, and I just I'm picking out one, and I, I do feel like I'm suffering a little bit with because um, I've set my classroom up to operate under consequences, and yep. I will not do that for one. I haven't. I stopped, and I fall into it. 
but I refuse to go back to it, and I, I'm not going to ease myself out of it. It's a done deal in my life. I and, think you're going to be um, good at Plan B by March, but I think okay. that moving from the old way to the new way is 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 going to be quite the adventure for you and your class. Um, probably can I, can, so I, can I actually have an open conversation with them and tell them that I'm tape, taking down our behavior map um, where I could move individuals, two children, the whole class, whatever group? Um, you can if you want to. Um, they're going to wonder what's going to replace it. And, and just and remember, can I, you're no? replacing it with something that you're not fantastic at yet, and so that's going to be the hard part. And unfortunately, um, we have to stop for today. I know. This, this program is time-limited, and we yeah. have run out of time. Please Heck. call back next week after you do proactive Plan B with him this week. We are, I'm very curious to hear what happens. I will do so. Thank you for your time. Thank you for calling. Well, that's going to do it for today. Hope you found that to be helpful. I can't wait to hear from her next week. Take care.